Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. God bless you, get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID-free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone, and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. My guest today, ladies and gentlemen, was named one of the top 30 under 30 in law and policy. He's appeared, of course, on all the cable television networks. His work on gun violence prevention has appeared in USA Today, U.S. News and World Report, and the Orlando Sentinel, amongst others. I'm going to talk today about Subway and its open carry policy, open carry policy, or lack thereof. We're going to be talking, of course, with our friend who sets the overall strategy and leads the outreach efforts as co-founder and director of Guns Down America 
www.ignorantmind.org. Igor Volsky joins us now. Igor, how are you? First of all, how's your health? How's your family's health? Y'all okay? Everybody? Oh, we we are good, Mark. Thank you. We're we're blessed to be healthy. We're we're blessed uh, to to be employed. Um, and uh, you know, thinking of so many people around the country who are who are struggling, um, we consider ourselves very lucky. Yeah, amen. I'm glad glad to hear that. So this situation with Subway, we people have seen the video, if you've not, folks, we hope you will, um, of the armed protesters going into a Subway in North Carolina. This is in Raleigh, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Uh, they harassed an African-American family on the street. What, what, was, what was going on there? And, and why Subway? Do we have any idea? Well, Mark, let me just back up and say that all of this is happening against the backdrop of armed militias very actively recruiting around the COVID crisis mm-hmm. and really receiving a uh, you go guys from this White House and from this administration. Um, you'll recall from some of our past conversations that both in March and in April, we saw a dramatic increase in gun sales uh, in this country. And at the same time, we began to see armed protesters and armed intimidators at reopen rallies uh, in places like Michigan um, uh, and really all across the country that are uh, focused on intimidating lawmakers into reopening their economies prematurely. Um, And so this effort that we saw in Raleigh, North Carolina is part of that trend of militia members uh, walking around downtown Raleigh in order to pressure the city to reopen. And in this case, uh, a week ago, they walked into a subway, as you see from all of the pictures, fully armed uh, with the intention of, you know, ordering ordering a sandwich, uh, I suppose, uh, and to really show everybody how they, in their words, uh, were simply exercising their Second Amendment rights. But if you look beneath the surface a little bit, Mark, what you find is that these folks are associated with an organization called Big Igloo, uh, which is a play on the Boogaloo movement, which is an effort by white, white nationalists and white supremacists in this country to start a race war, a second civil war, uh, in order to uh, to build what I would only imagine in their mind is um, more power for white people. I'm looking at some of the images, and it seems that some of these guys are actually wearing, they're carrying their guns, but a couple of them are actually wearing bandanas as masks. So I don't understand. I mean, are you protesting the lockdown while covering? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, to me, that's kind of, that's some cognitive dissonance right there. I got my gun. I am protesting. I'm going to wear a mask. I mean, I don't get it. This is really so, silly. Look, I, I, I will do my best to explain this to you. I spent some time in kind of Boogaloo world uh, to try to get a better sense. So, so first of all, uh, the idea of Boogaloo is, is rooted in some 1984 sequel. Um, and uh, they kind of, I, I've never seen the movie, but they, they kind of uh, attached themselves to that uh, and allowed Boogaloo to become the general rallying cry for, uh, for what has always, as you know, what has always kind of simmered in the background of the very extreme 
uh, gun rights folks in this country, which is a pretty active militia anti-government movement, which also always, I believe, had a tinge, or not a tinge, really a heavy blanket maybe of racism um, and, and white supremacy. Um, you'll remember in the early 90s, there was a whole lot of activity uh, around a lot of this. Now it's really back. Um, and it's back in a real way, and they're using very actively COVID uh, to, to organize. And so uh, when you read some of their messaging on their Facebook pages, on, on some of the other places uh, on the internet where they organize, what they are supposedly fighting against is government tyranny. Mm -hmm. um, and what they hope uh, is that America will wake up uh, to uh, what's happening, uh, and in their minds, it's an erosion uh, of, of rights, um, and that they, if necessary, will use arms uh, to, to rise up uh, and, uh, and to overthrow the government. Um, and in terms of, you mentioned the, the black family that was terrorized on the street, my understanding here is that this happened near the subway on the sidewalk uh, and that according to what the family has reported in social media, that that individual uh, did a Heil Hitler sign to the family and said some threatening things to them. Um, and that the family, even though, you know, in the picture you can't really tell because I think, I think the woman may be smiling a little bit. Uh, but from what they said after uh, is that they were really terrified uh, by, by this individual. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes people will try to not look terrified exactly. to defuse the situation, but who would not be terrified? One of these characters, it looks like he's actually carrying a bazooka. Yeah, so... Is, so am I right? is that what I'm saying? Or, yeah, so one of them, it looks like he's carrying a bazooka. There's a whole bunch of rifles. Uh, there are several handguns. Um, and there's also like a replica that's really wooden uh, of, uh, I believe, a fully automatic machine gun is, is what it is. Well, that's not that's not a real weapon. That's from some, some kind of uh, cosplay situation. Where do you get a bazooka? Can you just buy a bazooka? No, the, you cannot uh, in any kind of federally licensed okay. store buy a bazooka. I, yeah. I, I don't know. And oh. I, I, of course, I don't know if it's operational. Either. Yeah, right. It, it, it may not be real, but, yeah. but you're right. The cosplay thing, people are, are sick. Before we get into Subway, because that's, that's, really, that's who really needs to be held accountable here. Um, you mentioned their resistance to government tyranny. So uh, help me again with this now. If their guy is the president, Obama's no longer president. Hillary never became the president. If their guy is the head of the government, what tyranny are they warring against? Or is it again, because he acts like he's against the government. The government's out against him. But, but you're the president. That's like you saying, you call me when I say, Mark, uh, everybody guns down America's out to get me. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Then I'm gonna call a friend and say, y'all need to go help Eagle. He's not well. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that <laughs> you so, you're in charge of the government. Yeah. So look, it's it's a little confusing. Um, and as you know, the <laughs> the president has said on several occasions that these are good people, that these are good people who are simply fed up. Uh, he said this back in 2017 around Charlottesville, and he said it multiple times now during this COVID crisis when we've seen all of these armed protesters. From what I can tell, you're right. None of their 
anger is uh, targeted towards Trump. What it's targeted towards are A, uh, governors in certain states, uh, some of whom are Democrats, some but not all, right? In Texas, we're seeing armed intimidators. Uh, in those cases, uh, they do, you know, they may not be thrilled with the Republican governor there, but there are some uh, mayors uh, in, in blue areas who are Democrats, so that's where it's targeted. And I think on the national level, it's targeted towards the so-called deep state, which uh, I, I would assume they believe is undermining uh, in many ways, Trump initiatives and, and the Trump government. And so that's also part of this narrative for them. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. So does Subway have a policy on this? Do they have a gun or an open carry policy of any kind? So, Mark, here's where, you know, it, it, it really becomes infuriating for me. Uh, to our knowledge, uh, and we, we found press statements from Subway uh, in, from 2016 saying that they do not have a blanket policy about individuals bringing firearms into their restaurants across the country, but that, that they follow local laws. Okay. If I'm Subway and I see white supremacists who are dedicated towards starting a racial war, a second civil war in this country, if I see them at my restaurant, if I see them terrorizing an African-American family near one of my restaurants, how in the world do I justify remaining silent, not condemning these individuals, not condemning their beliefs, not condemning their behavior, not condemning the very act of coming into your restaurant fully and entirely armed in military gear. That to me is astounding. And I can't tell you how much we have done as Guns Down America, how much other organizations have done to try to reach out to Subway, to try to reach out to the corporate heads of Subway, to ask the company to just enter a conversation about why it is that they've remained silent, why it is that they refuse to rethink their policy when it comes to bringing guns into their stores. And I have to tell you, as of this conversation, they haven't said a peep about this. And that to me is absolutely unacceptable. Do we know whether they have a mask policy at Subway? I uh, imagine that in all of the places that are going to be reopening, that right. you're going to have uh, at least state and local ordin ordinances requiring the wearing of masks. So I imagine, yes, that in uh, subways uh, across the country, uh, you're going to see some mask requirements. So, so okay, so that's where you know, this needs to be, be thought about. Masks are for safety uh, because there is a virus that is spreading that is a threat to the public. Guns are a threat to the public. We're not out in some hunting area. You're not, they're not going in the subway to hunt for the uh, meats that are going to go on the subway sandwich. So to me, and this goes for anybody, but we're talking about subway right now. If there's a mask policy, there has to be a gun policy. What is the point of, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing, safety 
if if the virus, if anybody's spreading the virus is unsafe around everyday people, why is a bazooka, machine guns, why is all that safe to have around people? To me, I think that's that's the real question. Well, and Mark, there's a, a whole stack of research that finds that when weapons are openly brandished in public, that the probability that somebody will get hurt by those firearms right. increases exponentially, right? There's, there's something that just happens in the human mind when they see a gun, uh, that you have just regular disagreements that become deadly. And so part of the reason why we have launched a campaign urging Subway to ban firearms from their restaurants is one, just the safety aspect of it. And by the way, I should mention that over the last several years, you've seen a whole host of different retailers and different restaurants announce that they're gonna require customers to keep their guns at home. So there's the safety component, but in this particular case, again, where you see white militia nationalists uh, grow throughout this country, and become a lot more visible, partly because this president has given them such a huge platform. Subway, in my mind, Mark, really has a choice. Yeah. Are you on the side of these white nationalists right. who are flexing their power all around the country, including in your restaurants? Or are you on the side of the overwhelming majority of Americans who oppose this kind of behavior? That's the real choice that Subway has. And with their silence, what they're ultimately saying is that they're on the side of the white nationalists. If you all go to gunsdownamerica.org, you can even see one of these individuals with the face covering and the gun. And so again, I'm just confused about the tyranny. If tyranny, if, the, if government tyranny is exploiting the disease, and so you're going to protest the tyranny with a gun. Why do you have a mask on? So you obviously you're wearing a mask. It kind of uh, undercuts the conspiracy theory. If it's all a hoax and the government's out to get us, then there's not a real virus. So why do you have a mask? On? Well, so so part of the part of the mask, and especially the kinds of masks they're wearing, I think part of that is to fully communicate the image of like a militia member, you know, of somebody who is ready for war. Right. Um, and that's also part of the messaging of these groups is that they are always prepared right. to use violence and firearms to defend their rights. So I wouldn't look at the masks as them com com complying with, you know, the COVID restrictions. I would look at it as part of the, frankly, cosplay that they engage in to look more threatening um, in this uh, kind of militia role-playing scenarios that uh, that they engage in. I would agree. I just think in the role-playing, you would even consider the mixed signal that it brings, uh, unless there's another reason. Some of these folks might not want us to see their faces. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. very honest with you, because we don't know where they come from and maybe they can't afford to be seen. What do we know about Subway corporate? Um, do we know anything about it's money, it's donations in and out. Is, do we, is there any evidence of relationship with Republicans, NRA, the White House, uh, people like this, militia? Do we have any of that? 
Well, let me let me say a couple of things. You know, um, as you know, we uh, as an organization uh, drive a lot of campaigns that push corporations to to lean into gun reform. Um, and all of these companies, just as as a matter of access, uh, provide political contributions both to Republicans and to Democrats, right? And I and, and Subway is is part of that uh, uh, kind of practice, right? Um, my strong sense here is that uh, this is a company that's really hoping that this whole issue goes away and that they don't have to take a political stance that they worry could alienate some relatively small percentage of their customer base. Because if you look at opinion polls on this kind of stuff, it's, it's overwhelming, right? Okay. Um, the second piece here, Mark, is... As we launch this campaign, and by the way, I should note, subwaymustact.org uh, is where folks can go, and there's a full-blown toolkit there of things individuals can do to pressure Subway to do the right thing and to ban guns from their stores. But as I started looking um, at Subway and, and read some of their history, what I found um, is, is relatively troubling, um, and let me just be brief about this, because okay. we all remember uh, the controversy surrounding uh, Jared, right? right. Uh, this is the Subway, longtime uh, Subway spokesperson who I think in 2015 um, made a deal uh, and pled guilty uh, to uh, possessing child pornography, I believe, and traveling across state lines. Um, to uh, to engage uh, in acts with an underage uh, girl, uh, and he is now serving a I think a 15 year prison sentence. Um, as you can imagine, as soon as news broke, uh, Subway immediately cut ties with Jared and all of the Jared branding that have been had been so ubiquitous mm -hmm. at Subway stores uh, and elsewhere came down. Now, the interesting piece to this, and this is maybe how it relates to this situation now and why Subway has been so silent, is that there was a lawsuit filed by Jared's ex-wife who claimed that Subway executives knew that Jared was a pedophile because he would proposition, allegedly, uh, young girls at Subway events, at Subway promotional events, and that Subway executives sat on this information for years, potentially because the Jared campaign and the Jared story increased their profits exponentially. There's some crazy number of growth they saw after they launched the Jared Subway campaign. So look, that's an allegation that's made in a lawsuit. That lawsuit was thrown out not because of the merits of the lawsuit, but because of jurisdictional issues that the judge claimed he did not have jurisdiction um, to allow this case to move forward. And I, to be clear, do not know what subway executives knew or didn't know about Jared during the course of their campaign. But what to me, though, is that there's a troubling parallel that if those allegations in the lawsuit are true, that Jared's ex-wife filed, that Subway covered up these allegations because they wanted to protect their profit, then that gives you at least some insight into their decision-making process. Because here, we have a clear situation um, where something um, 
that I think is incredibly troubling uh, to all of us here happened in one of their restaurants uh, carried out again by these white nationalists and Subway has said nothing, maybe because they're operating under the same um, theory uh, of trying to protect their profits uh, above all else, above yeah. doing the right thing, right? Um, and so that's 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 kind of you know what I see um, uh, when I, when I look at Subway um, and and why you know and how I'm trying to make sense of why isn't uh, this company, which I think is the largest franchise in the world, has the, has the most restaurants all around the world. Um, yeah. why they have remained so silent, that it might have something to do uh, with the corporate culture there. Well, and that's, that's plausible, I think. Uh, other organizations I've spoken with in, in, in other situations who are organizing the way Guns Down America is on this, okay? Uh, one of which is Color Change. You know, I, I, I learned... We were talking last year, and I learned a lot. You know, in the past few years, also learned a lot from from Angelo Carasone and Media Matters. So, what you just described is the current culture. It is about the brand. So, whereas in the old days, the civil rights movement said, "Well, let's boycott." All right. Nowadays, if if a company looks at its bottom line, this is what I've learned, and it sees so, Mark and Igor call for a boycott. If they don't really see it affect their bottom line, they don't care. But if you do an email, social media campaign, a petition, all of that, that affects the brand. We're not just talking about what, who, who is and who isn't buying sandwiches, but to if it, if it harms the brand and its perception, that's a harm that can be so irreparable, then that has effects. So the point I'm making is, what, what you're doing, what Igor is doing, folks, in this campaign, I'm going to tell you how you get involved in it, is the most effective uh, uh, way today to hold a corporation accountable, even more so than us trying to get a million people to stop buying Subway sandwiches. Um, they, no one wants, and so, and it goes, and, and if what you're saying is true, and it probably is, see, they like to be quiet, but we didn't really see it. Did that really happen? We don't know what you're talking about. We don't have anything to do with that. That's out of our control rather than take any position and then see which group is the most organized. So if we're the most organized and we say, you got, got to shut this down, they'll, they'll, they won't have a choice but to listen because they don't want this to be any bigger than what it is. So I, I think whether what she described in that lawsuit is accurate or not, that type of, of behavior in corporations today I've learned is kind of par for the course. You know, if we can just kind of ride this out and avoid this some kind of way and what then we can survive. But if it's dangerous to the brand, oh, no, no, no. You got, <laughs> you as, as was the case with Jared. They couldn't get around that. They couldn't sweep that under the rug. And as soon as it became clear that Jared was going to hurt the brand, Jared had to go. So we have to make them understand folk carrying guns and bazookas and all of that up in a subway. And that being allowed is not going to fly with the public. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And it is about the brand and it is about mounting a campaign that makes it very clear to Subway that their brand will be tarnished yeah. if they don't speak out against this and if they don't issue a new policy. And the other thing I'd say, Mark, 
is we're not demanding something extraordinary here, right? We have seen, beginning in 2013, the gun rights movement weaponizing open carry laws, and they're fairly loose all around the country, in about 44 states, uh, you could bring guns, openly uh, walk in with guns uh, in almost any establishment, right? And since around 2013, gun rights advocates have weaponized that in order to make a political point. Right. They started with Starbucks in 2013, and then our colleagues at, um, at Everytown and Moms Demand Action back then launched a campaign that successfully pushed Subway to, I'm sorry, for Starbucks right. to issue a policy that said, hey, folks should leave their guns at home. And since then, we've seen so many other companies, whether it be Panera Bread, whether it be Walmart, just recently last year, part of a campaign we were a part of, um, say the same thing. So corporate America has really recognized that um, bringing guns into their establishment creates a danger, not only from a brand perspective when somebody launches a campaign around it, but also when it just comes to the safety of their customers and to the safety of their employees. Yeah. Um, and so what we're asking Subway to do is to simply follow the trend that corporate America and the direction that corporate America has been moving in, and that is banning subway, banning guns from their stores and making it very clear that their number one priority is the safety of their customers and their employees. Um, what subway employee would even want to tolerate a patron with a gun? Now, there's some subways in my neighborhood. Um, many, being in New York, Many of the subway uh, uh, owners or franchisees or whatever you call them um, uh, are people from outside the country. Many of them are immigrants. I know they don't want a bunch of guns coming up in there. I mean, if you're behind the counter, I, I think that it's only logical unless you were just oblivious to reality. If I'm working behind a counter on subway and some folk out with some guns, my first instinct is, th is think they may be getting ready to rob me. I mean, that's going to be my first instinct. And then I'm helpless sitting in there in that situation, hoping they don't rob me. But who knows? That could turn any minute. So it, it, it is, it, it puts everyone in danger. And I'm sure these employees aren't making a million dollars an hour. These are a regular working class, probably working poor people. It's absurd. So, so Subway needs uh, to do something. So there's a toolkit. I'm not sorry, go ahead. You want to so, say well, let me, let, me, let me just say on, on that piece of it, um, you know, we have also reached out to the franchise association okay. uh, that's connected to Subway and urged them uh, to organize around this as well, right? Making that same exact point uh, that their franchisees, the employees of those franchisees need, need to feel safe. Um, uh, we also discovered, I should know, because you mentioned the, the robbery uh, scenario, that right. since about 2014, Subway 
uh, has experienced at least 65 instances of gun violence, mm -hmm. either in their stores or near their stores, sure. 65, okay? So they as a company are not immune to the gun violence epidemic we face as a country. And, and to be clear, Mark, we're not suggesting that uh, if Subway were to urge its customers to leave their guns at home, that this is somehow gonna stop armed robbery. It obviously isn't, right? And if you are uh, determined to rob a subway or to hold somebody at gunpoint, you're gonna do that regardless of corporate policy, uh, right? Which is why you know our larger argument, as you well know, as part of all this, is that American businesses, subway and everybody else, need to really lean into gun reform in a serious way, that banning open carry is really the, the lowest hanging fruit. It's step one. Step two, they need to stop making political donations to lawmakers who take money from the NRA and make it impossible for us to pass tighter gun laws. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then step three, I think, is very actively lobbying for those measures because they, as a business, are directly impacted by loose gun laws. So what we're asking here is really the first step into Subway and corporate America recognizing that because they are impacted by loose gun laws, they must play a role in tightening those gun laws and helping us build safer communities. Folks, there's a digital cool toolkit, a cool toolkit, uh, <laughs> uh, subwaymustact.org show you how to email, tweet, sign the petition, uh, um, call corporate headquarters. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm not saying people should not be uh, informed consumers. People don't really boycott anymore. But you, you know where you should and should not spend your money under certain circumstances. So you have to think about that. But also, it is even more impactful when we make noise and we send these messages and we tweet and we call and we email to let them know as consumers that this is unacceptable. Uh, and we just don't, we just can't have it. Subwaymustact.org, right? That's, that's right. That's the place to go. When your help was this, an African-American family terrorized. Um, you know, we look at, at what is happening with families and, and African-Americans. I don't know too many white folk who wanna go into a store where there's an armed militia walking around frankly, the ones I know, but this goes show you who I know. I don't know crazy white malicious premises. Those are not people in my life, but I don't know anybody who's comfortable uh, in that scenario. So we ask you to, to go to uh, subwaymustact.org and get involved. Um, we saw what happened with that family. We've not talked since uh, Ahmaud Arbery mm. and, and Breonna Taylor um, and, and Sean Reed in Indianapolis. What are your thoughts before we go about those incidents? And and also, Igor, help us because there's a little bit of compartmentalization that goes on. You have the militia type or, or, or armed vigilante type violence of, of what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. We see that countless, time, countless times. And then you have the police violence. And there is an intersection there. Sometimes people don't really want to call it out and see it. But um, it's, it's as if, you know, you're dealing, African-Americans are dealing, and look, I know, we all know what would happen if I walked into a subway with a gun. I mean, I would not be considered an activist or a protester. 
as a person of color or as a black man, I would be seen as immediately as an assailant, as someone trying to rob the store. Um, what is it about, what can we do in this type of situation? We saw the family with the subway. I mean, it's, it's just, it's bad enough we're disproportionately affected by this disease. But now folks are saying, well, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go back to killing black folk too in this season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, Mark, I, um, I, I think it's important to acknowledge as somebody who works in the, in the gun control movement um, and runs a gun control organization that the unfortunate history uh, of our movement is such that many of the early regulations around guns came about because of racism. Uh, and I'm thinking specifically of California, which is one of the few states in the nation that does not allow the open carry of firearms. And the reason for that is that then Governor Ronald Reagan outlawed open carry because there were Black Panthers who were walking around neighborhoods with firearms. And obviously, playing on the hysteria uh, that that generated, as you can imagine, Ronald Reagan outlawed open carry. Uh, and that in the 1960s, as we began to see uh, a lot of um, gun control uh, laws, some of the first federal laws uh, come about, that as part of those bills becoming law, uh, you did have a very racially charged conversation and that during that period, white people so saw those laws as a means to keep guns away from black people, right? So just, just to state that up front, that that's um, kind of the, the difficult history that I think we all uh, have, to, have to grapple with. Um, certainly, as you move into the 1980s and, and the 1990s and the early 2000s, what you began to see are laws uh, being passed, and I'm thinking specifically of the state of Florida in 2005, where you saw the very first Stand Your Ground law, uh, which at that point uh, was a kind of a revolutionary law uh, that allowed individuals uh, to uh, kill somebody with a gun if they felt that their life uh, was, was threatened. Um, and though that law, which was at that point signed by, by Jeb Bush, uh, who was then governor of Florida, um, has spread uh, to states across the country. And what we know about those laws, all of the analysis that have been done at places like Rand Corporation uh, and others, is that African-Americans are disproportionately impacted and find themselves on the other side, or looking at the barrel of the gun, um, and that um, a lot of those instances are being carried out of, of white people shooting black people. Um, and so in many ways, these kinds of laws, these kinds of stand your ground laws, um, and the other um, kinds of measures that are specific to Georgia, um, have really become a license in some way uh, of, for white people, frankly, to kill black people. Uh, we see this in the Arbery case, and we also, in some instances, see this in, uh, in, 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 the, in, in what's happening with police shootings um, around the country. Now, now, let me just say a, a broader thing here. 
um, and that is that um, none of us are immune from today's gun culture. And what I mean by that is, is that in all of our popular media, certainly for the last 30, 40 years, 50 years maybe, there's this real sense that having a firearm uh, is, it, it, it is the most masculine tool you could have, that in many ways it's an extension of your masculinity, that it gives you great power uh, as an individual and that it allows you to protect your family and your loved ones and all of this other stuff. And when you combine that cultural understanding of firearms in America, which by the way, has not always existed in America and is relatively new, okay? Mm -hmm. You layer on top of it our history of racism in this country and our present day racism in this country. And then you layer on top of that the ease with which individuals can access and buy firearms because we have such permissive laws. All of those three things, the cultural piece, the, um, the, the gun access piece, and the racism, all of that, I think, play together in very um, nefarious ways to and result in the kinds of situations that you've described that we've seen all across this country. Um, and so, you know, my, my heart uh, truly goes out uh, to, to, to the families impacted here, to the communities impacted, um, to folks all across the country who we've spoken to who, who feel, you know, that they may not be able to go jogging, for instance, um, in, in their neighborhoods. Um, and so I, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to look at are some of the systemic roots um, of, of, this kind of, of this kind of behavior in the hopes of uh, finding avenues to, I think, over time, you know, chisel away at what's causing a lot of this. Yeah, well, no, that, that's, that, that was very poignantly said, I, and, and I commend you for that. Folks, this is what we must look at. This is a, a total culture. We won't even get into it. That's a whole nother show. Gun, the, the rise in gun suicides in this pandemic. And the dangers, you know, one of the reasons people like Igor and me say, well, you know, we ain't into this gun thing is because nine times out of 10, a lot of situations, people get guns and, oh, I'm gonna protect myself and they had these home invasion fantasies and end up turning them on themselves or the family members or accidents happen. Um, so this is why we fight so hard. Also, folks, let me just say this to you. You might say, well, I don't go to Subway. I don't eat Subway, I don't care. Um, Today it's Subway, tomorrow it may be the place you frequent. So you have to fight this and stand up against it every turn, lest it happens to you. But for the grace of God, there goes you. Mm -hmm. And I use the word accident. See, one day, one of those guys may not even go in with the intent of shooting somebody, but then somebody's gonna accidentally gonna get shot, or someone's child. And it's a whole nother thing after Well, you, you know what happens, Mark? And I've been spending some time looking at gun incidents at retailers all across the country. Okay. And the, what, what usually happens is outside of the suicide piece, and I'll note that recently we've seen an increase in suicides that people commit in the parking lot of stores in their cars. Um, so that, that is a not infrequent occurrence. But what happens with firearms in retailers, retail establishments or outside of those establishments is two individuals get into some kind of disagreement. 
And then because they have a firearm, that disagreement escalates and sometimes becomes fatal, right? So these are just stupid disagreements that you can have about whatever we all, you know, we as humans <laughs> disagree about. But because of the presence of a gun, they escalate a thousand percent, right? Um, and that, I think, is what we all together, we, the royal we, uh, should try to prevent by making those firearms harder to get in the first place. Folks, we, we can't have this. We can't continue to live like this. We just can't. Um, I, got, I got a slogan for you. You guys should use. As, he's, as, as reopening begins to happen, you know, that's probably too soon, too. But as it will happen eventually, masks up, guns down. Mm-hmm. That's it. Especially yeah. in these establishments. Yep. You know, mask up, guns down. And uh, folks, for everyone's safety, we invite you to go to subwaymustact.org, subwaymustact.org. And of course, always uh, go to gunsdownamerica.org uh, to stay informed about what is, uh, what's going on out here uh, and what you must do. And please, please continue to be careful, folks. We, you know, I'm as, I'm as worried about COVID as I am about guns um, out here, especially that now that we're seeing more and more guns and people just, just losing it in these militias and whatnot. So uh, Igor Volsky has been our guest. Igor, always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, appreciate talking as often as we can. Keep up the good work. Once again, folks, gunsdownamerica.org, subwaymustact.org. Uh, get into it, get involved. All right. Thank you, Igor. Thanks, Mark. All right. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, It has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.